Thanks for having me. Um, so I'm super excited for the Q&A part and I'm gonna try to rush into that as quickly as possible. Um, but I'll give you a little bit of my spiel, uh, what's on my mind right now, and then, uh, and then hopefully we can go into that Q&A. Um, I think the first thing I wanna talk about is the fact that I think we're living through one of the biggest culture shifts of our time. I mean look, 30% of this audience right now is using a cell phone to record this conversation and are looking at this talk through their device, which I'm all for, don't put it away. I actually think that's exactly right and I think that one of the great misnomers, uh, for example, so many of you are doing online business, you talk, you know, you get taught or you get talking about how do you monetize from your website, this, that, and the other thing, and the next 24 to 36 months, most people are gonna consume the entire internet through a mobile device, yet most of your websites are completely optimized for desktop computers and laptops. Right? This is the thing that I spend all my time on. What is really happening with consumer behavior that most people aren't fully adjusting to? Where is the arbitrage? The only thing I do for a living and why I have the audacity to think that I can buy a multi-billion dollar sports team is that all my success has come from a very simple move which is day trading attention. My asset, the thing that I most care about, really, uh, you know, if you sit in this room and don't understand the importance of this asset, you'll become vulnerable and not have as much upside. The entire game is predicated on attention. Before you can tell me how great your listing is uh, that you're selling, or how great your product is, or how, you, how amazing your nine-week course is, before you tell me how great your shit is, you've gotta actually get my attention. And in 2016, the supply and demand of attention has become extremely difficult because we are getting thrown at us so many things. We are now living in a world where information is being pounded in our face 24-7, 365, and the things that are gonna break through are gonna actually understand not only that you have to produce great content, but way more importantly, that you have to understand the context of the place where that person is consuming the content. If you're a real practitioner in marketing, you understand there's a substantial difference between a video that plays on Facebook, that plays on YouTube, and that plays on Snapchat. These are fundamentally different things. My mindset is different. A 42-year-old female in the United States that goes on Pinterest and then 20 minutes later goes on Facebook is the same woman with the same income, with the same scenarios, but her mindset is different when she's on Pinterest because she's got aspiration to buy things versus when she's on Facebook because she's keeping up with her world, yet every day, marketers in this room and companies all over the world put the same picture and video in her feed thinking it's gonna act the same way. My friends, we are living through the single biggest culture shift, single biggest culture shift of end consumer attention since the transition from the radio to the television. It's happening right in front of you, right this second. And yet, so many people in this room live their lives one way, but they market a completely different way, right? One of the things that bothers me the most, especially the homework, you know, these 21 hour traveling days allow you to catch up on a lot of work. 
And on the way here, I paid attention to a lot of the people in this room that had been tweeting or Facebooking or emailing me that they were gonna be here. And I took advantage and was able to do three or four hours of research to really pay attention to what some of you guys are doing in this room. And to be very honest with you, and I, and I apologize, I didn't want to come to Sydney to Raz, but to be very honest with you, the far majority of people in this room that are marketing are marketing in their best interest and not in their consumer's best interest. The lack of patience, the lack of content that has anything to do with other than what you want them to do is quite stunning and would be a very quick indicator to me that the return on the investment is not as great as you'd like it to be because you default into caring about yourself first. A lot of you have consumed my stuff, you've heard my spiel. I'm a big believer that the people that win deploy more value than they ask for in return. When you're deploying, well, as I like to say, 51% of the value, you win. As a lot of you know, I don't play the game of masterminds or eBooks or courses because I'm very comfortable putting out my content for free and then once every three years selling an $18 book. You know, I'm very comfortable in that environment. It's also the reason that I think that I'm able to build $100 million businesses that don't require me. And really I'd like to pound that thesis down this collective room. I think the one thing that I've noticed has become very clear to me that is a vulnerability and it runs true across a lot of demos is lack of patience. If you really asked me what's the telltale sign of somebody who's really winning or is capable of winning versus not, it's completely predicated on patience. You know, way too many people aren't recognizing. How about this? How many people in this room are retiring in the next 10 years? And I don't mean you're gonna crush it. I mean you're fucking old and you're finished. <laughs> How many people in this room are retiring in the next 10 years? Raise your hand. Raise it high, don't be scared. So for the six of you, four of you, you could take a lot of what I'm about to say with a grain of salt, right? But for the majority of you, I just want to remind all of you that only 11 years ago, YouTube, Facebook, smartphones, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, it didn't exist. Nothing existed 10 years ago that is now at the forefront of attention. I grew up, actually how many people here don't really know my spiel? Raise your hand, just curious. Good amount, great, perfect, I'll go backwards then. I grew up, um, Poor. I was born in the Soviet Union. I came to the U.S. when I was three. Um, my dad got a lic- got a job at a liquor store. and eventually saved a lot of money over a seven-year period. Great shirt. And uh, and uh, oh, and you too. Uh, and uh, and eventually owned a small liquor store in New Jersey. I grew up an entrepreneur, very hustler kid, baseball cards, lemonades, stands, things like that. I got into my dad's business at 14, and at 17 I fell in love with wine collecting. I realized that people collected wine the way I collected baseball cards and memorabilia, and that became my passion point to wanting to get involved in my family business. In 1996, I launched the second ever e-commerce wine business in America. And from 1998 to 2005, in a seven year window, I built my dad's business from a three to a 65 million dollar a year business. So my first business was retail, bricks and mortar, and e-commerce. Not information, not 
masterminds, not books, not being me, just being an operator. I didn't start talking about business to the public until I was 34 years old. I built my foundation in building a tangible, actual business. That's what I come from, that's who I am. I'm currently the CEO of a 650 person digital and social agency, kind of a Madison Avenue Mad Men 2016 business. I've grown that business from a three to a hundred million dollar business in the last five years. I'm in the business of building businesses. I just happen to quite enjoy putting out information that has an impact on people along the way because very honestly, and this is quite simple, I'm selfish off the high that I get when I get an email from somebody that has had something good happen to them based on my business advice. That's, that's where I'm at. That's like, that's my life. I don't, thank you. I'm gonna make a lot more money on my Uber stock and on my Facebook stock than I'll ever make being me or selling a book or getting paid to speak. What I like is being historically correct. What I like is knowing that I was gifted with a way to communicate that actually gets through to people. For example, 90% of the people in this room are not willing to work as hard as their ambition. Right? I mean, let's just cut to the chase. Do you know how many of you are full of straight shit? (laughs) Like, let's just cut right to the chase. You talk a big game of what you want, but you're not interested in doing, how many people in this room watch Daily V, my video blog, raise your hand. So what this group knows versus the half of the room or third of the room that raise their hands that don't know me is that I work 18 hours a day, 18. That's what I do because I talk a big game and I want big things to happen and so you actually have to put in the work. Somebody in this room sent me a Snapchat message a couple hours ago and said, Gary, talk to me about passive income. Let me me talk to all of you about passive income. (laughs) It doesn't fucking exist. Like, there's, there's no fucking algorithm that's gonna let you sit on the fucking coast and drink fucking champagne while the money comes rolling in. It doesn't exist. And if it does, you're either doing something illegal or something that would make your spouse be embarrassed of who you are. I've been to enough bullshit marketing conferences where I've literally watched the spouse of the person on stage not feel comfortable telling people how their husband or wife makes money. I have no interest in having a legacy that I can't be proud of. I also have no interest in telling you how to make your money or how you live your life. I have no audacity or ability to even begin to think about that. But what I will tell you is this, my friends. In a 2016 world, right? In a 2016 world, everybody in this room is the patriarch and matriarch of their family. And I would tell you that I live under a very aggressive thesis of how you make your money is more important than how much you make. And I feel as though one of the big messages that needs to start being talked about is some of the emotional intelligence aspects of running a business. I can stand here very comfortably and tell a lot of you that I'm not super IQ'd out. I'm just not. I'm not super smart when it comes to just information, retention of shit that's happened. I've read seven books, I've written four, right? Like, like I'm, 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 I'm not that smart, I'm really not. But what I can tell you is on the flip side when it comes to the emotional intelligence, empathy, self-awareness, gratitude, intuition, I'm all time. As a matter of fact, in my will right now, in my active will, it says if 
humans ever figure out how to measure emotional intelligence, I want to be dug up and tested. <laughs> because, because I can't explain to you how I know that every person in this room is going to be on Snapchat or that every person is going to eventually, like, I know for a fact that everybody in this room 20 years from now is gonna be sitting in their home or whatever we're doing in 20 years and living through virtual reality and that they'll be struggling to understand if this is real life or if virtual reality is real life. I also know that 80% of this room just heard me say that sentence and said, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> in the same way that I stood in a room like this in 1996 and said, people are gonna buy wine on the internet and everybody in this room laughed at me because the guy that was sitting with me on stage worked for the Yellow Pages. I don't know if they have that down here, but the Yellow Pages and made fun of me and said, who here, he, he, we were bantering and he goes, actually, he goes, who here will buy wine on the internet? And nobody raised, could you imagine being here right now and watching this entire room, nobody raises their hand? And I looked at him and I said, honestly, and this was a different world, I said, I wish this was being recorded because I will be historically correct and all of you will be historically wrong. And so I do that not because I'm smart, not because I know, it's intuitive. I can feel it. I watch it, I see little things and I just start to feel it. And so here's what I can feel. I want to make my money in a way that makes me proud because I don't wanna have the conversations with my grandchildren about how I made my money. Everybody here needs to understand everything you're doing is being documented. All of it. Like every landing page you create to convert someone, everything is being documented forever. And I'm watching so many of my contemporaries and friends chase money over their good name, over the way they're gonna feel, and I'm very concerned about it. I also know that everything that you know today is being disrupted heavily. I know that the hotel industry, this lovely hotel, you know, the, the, the hotel I'm staying in, I know that five years ago, none of them sat there and said, okay, what's our biggest threat in five years? They were worried about each other. Nobody, nobody raised their hand at the Four Seasons Hotel senior staff meeting five years ago and said, what if somebody creates like an eBay for people selling each other their rooms and their homes? Nobody saw Airbnb coming in that industry. The guy or gal that owned the most taxi medallions in New York City, he or she didn't sit around five years ago and said, you know, somebody might create an app on the iPhone where people are gonna hit the button and a limo is gonna come in two minutes and pick them up. We are living, email. I literally thought email was the most indestructible core communication funnel in our society. How many people in this room by show of hands are familiar with Slack or using Slack? What's Slack? Google that shit. <laughs> we don't have time for that right now. <laughs> One more time, how many people know Slack? You know, I don't predict Slack. I just look at Slack and go, holy fuck, Gchat and G email in my organization has collapsed by 80% since we've installed Slack. So then I text Stuart Butterfield CNO, I'm like, can I invest? Like, like that's what I do for a living. And so we are living through a much bigger culture shift than this room is respecting. And so what I wanna do is a couple things. Number one, and Caleb, it's fun to have you here because I use it as a proxy. 
I watch Caleb from afar and I'm like, he better fucking talk about 14 year old things, not like he's 40 years old because he's fucking 14, right? Like, he, and he's got a ton to add, especially like what's actually happening in 14 to 20 year old land. But I don't think a 47 year old in this room is gonna respect a 14 year old to tell him how to live life when he's 14. You need to stay in your lane. Too many people wanna be something before they are. You got plenty of time for that. Like the bottom line is, you need to, if you're selling advice, please fucking know what you're talking about. <laughs> like, 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 and please, as an audience, we need to start understanding, like, there needs to be, listen, everything can fly. Everything can fly. You can do anything you want. But I'd like to start employing some common sense. Wouldn't it make sense to take it business advice from somebody that's actually built a business versus the only business they've ever had was to give business advice? Like, doesn't that fucking make sense to you guys? I don't know. Like, it fucking makes sense. Attention arbitrage. I built my brand on email, YouTube, and Twitter in 2006 or seven. Back to the story, I built a big business. How did I build it? How many people here have done email marketing in their lives? Raise your hand. Awesome. In 1997, I had an email newsletter for my wine business, 200,000 people that had a 91% open rate and 65% click-through. I'm no hero though. It was because it was early. Marketers hadn't ruined email yet, right? We didn't ruin it yet. I tried and I do and I'm trying to ruin Snapchat right now. Like that's what I do. Like show me where there's attention and I'm a salesman. I want you to buy shit. So I'm trying to figure out how to sell you stuff on it. That's what I did with email while everybody else had catalogs. Then something came out, it was called Google, right? I was intrigued by it because they had this ad product called AdWords. The day it came out, I owned the word wine on Google for five cents a click. And I owned it for nine and a half months before anybody bid me up because people still didn't know what it was. How many people here are actively creating content for their business? And by the way, if you raise your hand, I will jump out here, pick you, and if you're not actually doing it, I'm gonna ruin your personal brand. <laughs> so ready? How many people in this room are actually producing content right now for their business on Snapchat? Raise your hand. Seven. Meanwhile, it is the fastest growing attention graph in the world now, to your credit, it is absolutely a 13 to 25 year old thing, which may not work for a lot of you, but here's the key. It's like running a marathon. If you're gonna run a marathon, it's probably good to run a 5K first. If you're gonna run a marathon, it's probably good to train on the treadmill before you do it, right? So, the reason so many more hands in this room should have went up for Snapchat was in 24 months, much like Facebook, the far majority of 30 to 50 year olds where I, actually I'm gonna go with 25 to 45, 25 to 42 will be on it and it will have more attention on it than a lot of things you've done. That same newsletter on my email service now has a 36% open rate. It's bigger, I'm much better at it, it's things I've learned, yet it can't be as good because the supply and demand of attention, everybody has an email newsletter now. I amassed a million followers on Twitter because I attacked it in 2007. I wrote it and now it's declining and I'm not emotional about it. I'm getting far less engagement, far less reach, far less business results from my Twitter account than I did 36 months ago. Do I cry that it's over? No, I do not. 
the level of crying when something's over is disgusting. Like, I'm sorry that your conversion from your affiliate marketing or your JV email newsletters doesn't work as well. Get the fuck over it. The market changes. Nobody cares about your feelings. The market doesn't care. The market doesn't care. You care. I care. But the market doesn't. And unfortunately for everybody in this room, the market is what matters. And so what happens is, what I see from afar, is people, you know, I always say to my buddies, the quickest way to go out of business is to be romantic about how you make your money. The quickest way to go out of business is being romantic about how you make your money. A lot of you in this room, historically, have found an arbitrage. Something worked, right? Whether it was email, or Google AdWords, or affiliate marketing, or banner retargeting, or JVing, or whatever the hell it was. Videos on YouTube, whatever it was, right? Joint venture, yeah, she got you. I said, your homies got you. Um, Whatever it is, you've found it, right? Right now, I think one of the great arbitrages is Instagram influencers, right? I think one of the most underpriced things to do right now is to go to Instagram accounts that have a lot of followers, see them, hopefully they have their Gmail account in their their profile, which many of them do because they want the money. You email them and you ask them the price to do a sponsored post and natively and integrate it and it works extremely well. It is by far the execution that I'm most excited about for my current book and is doing extremely well because that's where the attention is. And those prices will go up as people, as they get 15 emails a day instead of one, the price goes up. It's just these levers. I'm desperate to pound this down everybody's throat because what's gonna happen over the next 10 years is we're gonna have four to seven to 11 shifts in the marketplace. Over the next decade, you will have four to seven to 11 shifts in the marketplace. If you were doing email marketing, everything was fine until Google and Gmail decided to create a promotions tab. That wasn't good. And everything was great for the Twitter influencers like me in 2010, 11, and 12 when everybody's attention was there, but then it was gone. It's no different than a hit television show. When there's a hit television show, the big brands in the world want to run ads and commercials during that show. Eventually that show's not popular anymore and those ads aren't as good. This dynamic is playing through every single day in this marketplace. The problem is, in, at this level, is people are holding on and they're not educating themselves on what's happening next. And they're making emotional decisions. I love when people tell me this. People are like, Gary, but you have to understand, I didn't grow up with this stuff. And I'm like, you like that? That was a great laugh, thank you. Uh, I'm like, that's right, Ron, but you didn't grow up driving and you figured that out, right? There's way too much emotion at the 30, 40, and 50 year old level that they didn't grow up with this. I got a news alert, I didn't grow up with it either. At the time that I was 18 years old, I had spent 20 minutes on a computer in my life. I didn't grow up with it, I just figured it out. I love how people don't realize that putting in work and learning is one of the requisites for building a business. Like literally when I'm like, hey, you need to learn Instagram. Really? What the fuck's the matter with you? Yes, really. Like yes, really, yes, you have to learn. It's a weird thing. You have to know what the fuck is going on in the world, yes. And so look, here's what I see happening. The market's moving faster than ever. These generations of attention are not lasting as long. Facebook, the reason they created an algorithm where all of you got mad that you can't reach everybody 
It was to save the platform. Because if everybody saw everything from everybody, we'd all be gone from Facebook a long time ago. The reason they created an algorithm is now people are still on it. As a matter of fact, people are spending more time on Facebook today than 36 months ago because they're tweaking the algorithm so well. It's so interesting to watch this play out. A lot of other platforms haven't. Whether Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat are here in 36 months from now or not, I don't know. Truth is, I don't care. What I know is that I'm going to consistently pay attention to what's emerging. If you are not following this narrative, and if you do not understand in this narrative that one of the most important things to do is to create quality content, and you've heard this cliche bullshit marketing talk your whole life, the problem is it's true. Like the problem with the cliche thing, like you have to produce content that's valuable to sell shit, the problem with it is it's true. It's true. You have to provide value, and more importantly, you're only as good as your last at bat. You're only as good as your last piece of content. You're only as good as that. These logos, these logos, you have to understand what's happening. This, I think we can all agree that this is becoming a very important thing in our lives, right? Thank you. It's my hotel key. This, this is a very important thing in our lives, right? And I think this is quickly becoming the television and the television is becoming the radio. Now this is super important because of the following. How many people in this room now, in every 24 hour window, including when they sleep, are always within arm's reach of their telephone? I mean, it is literally the preview of us becoming robots. Literally, it is. So this is the most important device in our lives. Do you know how important this has become to me? Literally, I would rather somebody roll up on me in New York City, steal my wallet, and stab me in the stomach with a knife than lose my phone. That's how important it is. So my friends, this, if you agree as I do, how many people here are lucky enough to have a 13 to 18 year old grandchild or sibling or uh, child in their lives. Raise your hand. So I think you guys know this is it. No, not even the laptop. As a matter of fact, even me, old dude, 40 years old, I now only travel with my phone. I no longer need my laptop. I do everything on this device. The average 15 year old in the world, not America, in the world, when coming home, goes to the room and spends all of their attention time on this. There's no television. There's no going through their direct mail. There's no shit like that. There's no going to your landing page optimization horseshit. It's this. <laughs> and, and, here's where it starts getting really serious for me. Because I view social media, and I know, I did my homework, I know where social media sits in this room as importance. Let me give you a quick preview. Shit. <laughs> Social media, my friends, there's no such thing as social media. It's a word. Let me tell you what social media is. Social media is the slang term for the current state of the internet. And when you wrap your head around that shift, all of a sudden it's not as easy to just, you know, kind of like diss it. And if you wrap your head around the following data, you'll start paying real close attention. This is the most important tool. And not just, by the way, to 14 year old girls. Do you know that on Instagram, the fastest growing demo 
taking selfies are 42 to 45 year old females. Literally cougar selfies. So, this is the most important device in the world. This is where all of you are gonna sell your homes and your information and your office space from. Wrap your head around it. That's where it's gonna be sold. And now follow me. Those five logos and the other seven websites that are important in social media, they represent 53% of all minutes spent on a cell phone. More than half the time of every consumer, all ages, across the board, is spent on those platforms. And most of you aren't doing dick on any of them. Zero. Goose egg. And if you are, you're mailing it in. You're putting some random bullshit. You are playing in a place where it's email, where it's your website. Your website that many of you, by the way, three of you, three of you, I don't know who you guys are, three of you, when I went to your website, weren't even mobile optimized. Weren't even native to a mobile device. And you know who you guys are. You haven't even made your website work on a mobile device. Even though in the next 24 months, three-fourths of all internet consumption will happen through a mobile device. So, I don't know. I don't know what you're waiting for. I don't know what process you're interested in, what thing you're gonna do. But what I do know is that you think that your customer's not on it, and they are. That's your vulnerability. I know what's happening. You think your 49-year-old Sally and your 57-year-old Stan is not on it, and that's who you sell to, and that's why you disrespect it. Because what you're doing is you're disrespecting what's actually happening in the world. For example, how many people in this room have sent an emoji via text? Raise your hand. Raise your hands high. I want everybody to look around. This is not a 14-year-old audience, except for Caleb. This is not, this is, this is not a 14-year-old audience. Yet, 36 months ago, most of you didn't know what an emoji was. And now here we are today, 36 months later, and there are 60-year-old men literally texting OMG and sending shit emojis to each other. <laughs> It's the truth and you know it. Because what you haven't realized is the following. What technology is doing is aging down people. Guys, what technology is doing right now is it's aging down people. If you're lucky enough to be sitting here right now and you are of the age and you're fortunate enough that your parents are still alive and you're of the age where you could remember your parent at the age you are right now. If you're lucky enough right now, stick with me, that you're lucky enough to know your parent, that you were a kid and you knew your parent at the age you are right now, let me give you a preview. You are much younger than they were at this age for them. You should, the average 45 year old's dress and actions, what she spends money on, maps a 28 year old woman only 10 years ago. Technology is bringing our age down quickly and so you will quickly be on Snapchat because for a 32 year old woman it's going to be cool and important to be on Snapchat in 40 seconds if it isn't already and in LA, New York and San Francisco it already is. Got it? This is just historical. This is what happens and so what I know is this entire room wakes up in five years. Five. I know there's six of you retiring in ten. 
but this entire room wakes up in five years and your customer that's gonna sign million dollar leases and buy three. My entire social network, my actual friends, four of them have bought three million dollar homes or above through social media in the last year. My buddy just bought a $700,000 watch from Instagram. You know what I call that? ROI. GE, one of the biggest brands in the world, we sold a multi-hundred million dollar jet engine on LinkedIn, not by spamming them either. Content. If you do not understand that every single person in this room is now a media company, then you don't understand what's happening. If you do not understand that you were a media company first and then you sell homes, if you don't understand that you're a media company first and then you sell wine, if you don't understand that you're a media company first and then sell clothes or information or this, that, and the other thing, then you are not understanding what's actually happening and you are going to be in deep fucking shit. And I mean it. Because I promise you this, my friends, much bigger companies than yours and I have been disrupted by technology. Borders and Barnes and Nobles were better businesses than yours when Amazon came along. And this is happening at scale. And what you don't know, if you're not completely all in on this, is what happens when there's exponential scale of maturity. The internet is 20 years old. And I know there's some, actually 19, I know nerd, but I mean, (laughs) I mean the consumer internet. When normal people have gone on it, is 20 years old. If you look at the growth of everything that's happened in the last five years, it is insane. Yet, globally, still only 11 to 14% of e-commerce is happening on the internet. It's just started. And if you are not adjusting to this reality, you are massively vulnerable. So while this room spends a lot of time on tactics, and by the way, tactics are massively important. I'm pretty aware of the programming here, like tomorrow really fucking matters. Those tactics are gonna really matter. They matter because tomorrow matters. And next Thursday matters. And the following Sunday matters, right? You're living now, but the bottom line is everybody's way too addicted to the quick tactic. What's gonna make me money tomorrow while not recognizing the macro trend that is looming. If you weren't, I mean, I never, I'm constantly spending 20 to 30% of my money and energy on shit that doesn't have a prayer to bring me any value in the first year that I do it. That's called building a brand. That's called building a long-term business. That's called actually building for something more than the cash flow that I make that year. And that has been the separator for me in my career. That is the separator for people that win at the highest levels. And even if your ambition stays quite humble, it's a prerequisite to not be put out of business. It's just the way it is. Now, how much time do I have? Good? Um, I'm gonna go 10 more minutes and I'm gonna do some q and I wanna spend 10 minutes on emotional intelligence. My friends, in America, which is the number one competitive entrepreneurial market in the world, to be in the top 1% of earners in America, you have to make $400,000 a year. I really want to start talking about practicality. This whole notion that everybody has to make millions and millions and millions of dollars is insanity. We have to recognize if you actually have the talent to be able to do that. Building an actual business takes talent. You don't get to just build a million dollar business because you read a fucking book or because you want it 
or because the secret's gonna fucking help you do it if you wish for it enough. (laughs) It's not how shit works. There's no 17-step process if you suck. (laughs) There's no 17-fucking-step process for me to be fucking the best basketball player in the world. It doesn't exist. There's no fucking 17-step process to make me fucking Beyonce. It doesn't exist. We have to, at all costs, reframe the conversation of entrepreneurship and building businesses. If you actually took a step back and became honest with yourself and deployed self-awareness and understood what you were good at and what you were bad at, I understood that I was built like a robot. That I don't need to drink, that I don't need to eat, that I don't need to fucking sleep. Well, I need to sleep, let me rephrase. But I definitely don't need to eat and drink, right? To work 18 hours a day, and that is my competitive advantage. I don't work 18 hours a day because it's fun. I don't work 18 hours a day because it's cool. I don't work 18 hours a day for kicks and giggles. I work 18 hours a day because I want to win, I want something, and it is the thing that I can do better than anybody I've ever met. I've never met anybody in my entire life who can work 18 hours a day, every day, forever until they die. That's me. My brother can't do that. Nobody I've ever met can do that. And so they shouldn't do that. A lot of people I meet can fucking destroy it in nine hours and have algorithmic heads and could do amazing things and they're the closest people I've ever seen to passive income because they run math arbitrage at scale against markets and that's God bless. Everybody in here has three to four core things that they're better at within themselves than everything else they do. And the quicker that every one of you looks in the mirror and actually has that honest moment with yourself and starts to deploy all, I didn't say some, all of your energy against those three or four things, the quicker you will maximize everything, starting with happiness followed by money. We are spending way too much time and energy trying to be good at things that we can't be good at. It's just real talk. And there is a, how big is the business you said? I just heard you, how, the information business? How big was that? Good, that entire fucking business is built on telling people how to fix things they suck at when they can't maximize it. That's the truth. Way too many people can't get there. It is against everything you hear from everybody. I get it. I understand how I sit on this island very by myself in the ecosystem, but fuck man, let me say this. Think about the thousand people that are the most famous and successful in the world and they all have only one thing in common. They fucking punted everything besides that one talent and spent every fucking minute in their lives on that one talent. That's their common trait. Now, now, does that not mean that you could be the best entrepreneur that you could be if you put in the tactics? Absolutely. But you better be ready to swallow that that means that you make 87,000 a year because that's a talent that you have. You could have made 42, you did the process, you put in the work, you tried really hard, you fucking really wanted it, and now you make 87, that's pretty good. I could be a much better jump shooter if I fucking took 1,000 jump shots every day playing basketball, but I still don't think I'm getting in the NBA. And the reason I'm coming with this to end is the following. Not because I want to be Debbie Downer, not because I want to be like, look, I'm a really good entrepreneur and you're not. It's because if you start betting on your strengths, maybe you're just organized, maybe you're a great operator, maybe you should be a number two or a number three in somebody's organization. Guys, the gal that was number 30 at Facebook made a fuckload more money than a lot of us being on our own. 
Like, there's a lot of ways to go about it that aren't predicated on just being the number one and being that. It is an absolute real conversation that needs to start happening in entrepreneur land and business land of actual self-awareness to strengths and weaknesses. It has to happen. It has to happen. The data is not on the side of the current narrative. And so we need to deploy it. Again, you can absolutely maximize your marketing skills. You can absolutely be a better copywriter today than you were a month ago if you practice and you see the results. But please, please understand that practical optimism is an absolute blueprint for success versus blind hope. It's real, it's real. And you know what the funny part is? Most of you know it. Most of you know it deep down in your belly. And so, what does it all mean? It means that you only have so much time and energy. And if you can figure out what to deploy it against, you will maximize success. And I think it's a very important time to start having that conversation because there is other things that happen. There's tough markets. There's downturns in economies. There's other variables. And that's where betting on your strengths has the biggest upside. So, as we head into Q&A, what I really want to focus on is attention. You know, like, attention is the asset. It's the asset. I mean, if you just spend your time trying to understand where people's attention is and where is it overpriced and where is it underpriced, you will make a lot of money. If your competitors are sending, buying ads in newspapers and sending direct mail while you're doing Google AdWords and Facebook, you will make a lot of money. You just will. Um, as a matter of fact, as, a, as a, like a tactic, I would highly recommend spending a lot more time surveying and asking your friends and customers what they do. I mean it. Like, you know what's one of my favorite things to do? Look at the whole, look at, actually, you know what? Everybody do this real quick. Look at your phone. You know what's really interesting about your phone? And this is why I grab so many people's phones when I'm traveling. If you look at the home screen of your phone, you would be blown away how big of an indicator the apps on your home screen are to who you actually are. If you really look at it, it's, it's stunning. Like, I can, like, when I interview people for like type A jobs, I actually grab their phone a lot to make sure there's like a lot of like Evernote and calendars and organized shit on there. Like, it is an unbelievable indicator onto who you are and a great insight into what that person's about and things of that nature. These are the places that we need to deploy our energy. Attention and self-awareness. They are the rocks of high success in the future market. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. So, I guess it's, um, so I guess it's Ask Gary V Show live. Yes, let's do it. Yeah, from, uh, do you do Q&A? I don't know. Hell yeah, let's do yeah, it. I'm just kidding, man. <laughs> 200 shows live. We have to do 191. We're up to 191. This might be episode 191 if we're documented. Well, I don't know. Here we go. What's your name, my man? My name's Ross. Ross. Uh, Gary, you sold me on Snapchat, I'm convinced. Yes. I see the value for personal brands. Yes. And I see the value for big corporate logo brands. Yes. What I'm missing is how do I use it as a small logo brand? Where I, behind the scenes isn't really that interesting for my, my customers. Why would it be interesting for a personal brand but not a small business? I th uh, very quick, you're just looking for the excuse in the scenario. It's always the story, right? Like, why would it be big business 
And why would it be like one person, but not a small business? What you have to do is figure out how to make the small business interesting, right? Now, the mistake a lot of people make is they think they need to be a charismatic individual to help their small business, right? The truth is, you need to think about your genre, right? There's a lot of things, for example, I know there's a lot of real estate people. I think the most interesting thing that a real estate agent can do is own their territory. So for example, a small business, an eight person real estate firm is a small business logo, right? I think they should go and interview all 100 people that matter in that town. The principal, the person that owns the bagel shop, the person that's lived there the longest in town. You see where I'm going? Like, being a content producer is hard, but it's equally as hard for a big business as it is for a person, as it is for a mid-sized business. They're all hard. There's a lot of people, the far majority of people don't win as a big business, the far majority of people don't win as an individual, the far majority of people don't win as a small business. What you need to do is figure out what the right story is that brings people value regardless of where you sit there. Great, thank you. You got it, brother. Questions? Hey. Hey, Gary, Kim hey, Barrett. Mate. What's um, your name? Kim. Kim. I was on episode 172 of the Ask Gary Vee. <laughs> awesome, man. <laughs> Um, my question for you is, I'm in marketing, and marketing and business, it seems like a lot of people are trying to replicate what you do. They're putting out content, which is awesome. How, what's your recommendation on then standing out in the field of people that are trying to play at that level? So I think the way I stand out is I don't follow anybody else. All I do is follow people, and then I'm the first to report on things, and that's my competitive advantage. I think one of the mistakes a lot of people do is they think it's a good strategy to follow thought leaders, regurgitate it, and then be micro versions of that, and they pick up the scraps, and they do. But you're not gonna stand out, because by nature, if you're following, you're following. So what I would tell marketers to do is actually, so I have such a big advantage. I market for the biggest brands in the world, I market for Wine Library, I market for my own book, like, I sold 120,000 copies of Ask Gary Vee this week. Do you know how many, do you know how many marketing gurus sell two, 3,000 copies for the whole week when they launch? Like, like, like if you, again, this is why I want the whole market to become way more cynical. If you go look at the people that are selling advice and they have a book and they sell 6,000 copies for the whole fucking first month, there's a problem. Because aren't you supposed to use that marketing advice to sell your fucking shit? <laughs> Like seriously. So what I would say is go out and do marketing. Like if you're gonna be marketing advice, go out and actually do marketing that has nothing to do with marketing advice, see how it actually works, and then go report on how it works. Yeah. Okay. Is it on? Just yell. Testing, testing. Oh, there we go. There you go. True. Awesome. Um, What's your name? Uh, Emil Gogis. Uh, I actually flew down from Japan to come see you. I'm a, I'm a big fan. Thank yeah, you. One of the first ones here. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you, yeah. And I'm uh, looking forward to reading the book. I, I downloaded the audio book as well because I heard it's, a, Thank you it's so different. Much. So we're looking Thank forward you, to friend. that. Okay, um, in Japan, I do uh, a lot of Airbnb things. So right now, we're you know, renting out a lot of uh, um, apartments and listing them on Airbnb. So like Airbnb management type stuff. But our end user, um, is comes via Airbnb. We don't really have direct access to, to the users of the platform. So how would someone like a business like us go about promoting ourselves? Um, so how how are you guys organized as as a as a are you buying the are you representing the apartment? Like what's your act, like how's your business structure? Oh, so so we just we rent apartments. 
okay? Um, but rather, and, and then list them. And then, and then list them. You're yeah. arbitraging Airbnb. Exactly. So I think you need to create a consumer facing either, like again, this is, and it's back to your similar question. This is where I love this question. This is where I think I separate myself from a lot of marketers. Okay, that's what you do. But what you can do is be a level up. Again, think of content and being a media, co- if you think you're a media company first, like I, I saw a lot of you react when I said, you're a media company first. If you thought like that, comma, you do our apartment arbitrage, you wouldn't be asking me this question. What you're doing, what you're doing, what a lot of people do is, you're thinking about your business and you're thinking about content as a gateway drug to a transaction. It's number two. If you thought of yourself as a media company first and then somebody who does that arbitrage with Airbnb, you'd be putting out content of the neighborhoods and the area and the city, got it? If you were positioned as a information to Japan and we have this service that lets you stay in these apartments, your whole world would be different. If you had a guide of 10 best places to eat sushi in Japan and that was your gateway drug to the transaction, you'd think totally different. We have to separate marketing as a gateway drug to a transaction and being a content company. So what I would do if I were you is start doing the, I mean, you'd be blown away. I mean, absolutely blown away by the capabilities of targeting people on Facebook or Twitter that are saying they're going to Japan, putting out an article that says eight great places to eat sushi in Japan, and then using that as a gateway drug because at the end of that article or on the left side of the article or however you decide to UI and you exit, there's a transaction to stay in your places. But that takes a totally different commitment, bro, right? That takes you hiring an editor-in-chief to be in charge of the content when you're like, what are you talking about? I fucking rent out fucking apartments, Gary, you fucking maniac, you know? (laughs) And so when I think about the world, the way I see it, you know, you just, people see the world differently. I see all of you needing an editor-in-chief or you needing to be that. And I get why it sounds weird for your business to have one. I don't give a shit, I know I'm right. So that's the shift that I see. Like that's where I see you having a real opportunity. I would look at those locations, I would take a 10 mile radius of everything that's around it and I would become the number one content producer in the world of every museum, park, sushi restaurant, fucking theater, fucking everything. (laughs) You got it. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) I I see. And And by the way, the advice I just gave you is hard, borderline expensive, and you've gotta be patient as fuck to get any pay dirt out of what I just told you. You'll hate me for 18 months, and then you'll kiss my fucking face in 24. <laughs> Got it? Wow. I see my man Scott Lackman here hurting his neck from nodding so hard, because that's what he did in his area, man. I love it. Hey, Gary. Works. <laughs> hey, how my are you? My name's Georgie. I've got a company called aftertherock.com.au, and I'm a wedding planner. Amazing. Um, After the Rock, I like it. Thank you. Uh, .com.au for everyone else. <laughs> um, <laughs> Link it up, D-Rock, if you're here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Gary, I'm launching an online program teaching brides how to plan their own wedding, kind of Marie Folio style, in about eight months. Smart. Uh, And I want to go hard on my content. Can I ask you a question real quick? Why eight months? Because um, I'm a practitioner, like I'm in the business with a hell of a lot of weddings coming up, and I really want to do a massive push with my content and my marketing before I launch, and I want to give a hell of a lot of value. And I'll be testing it. It's ready to go. I'll be testing it and changing it as I go, but I just want to be yep. launching hard. So I really want to know, I've got ideas of doing, well not ideas, I've got plans of 
um, Snapchat series and all sorts of things, but I just want to know how you would market it for 2016, 2017. So the one disadvantage I have is I haven't fully audited the, the Aussie market for that. You know, we have some clients that do work here that I have some reads on, so I, I don't think people realize Australia is one of the three best markets for Facebook in the world. Like from, an, from the thing that I trade attention, the depth of interaction per content here is unbelievable. So I think before you get fancy with everything else, make sure you dominate Facebook because the ability to target is so incredible in that environment. Um, you know, the first thing that comes to mind right away is what's going, I, I don't know, but the first thing I would do if you like, if I was like really working with you, the first thing I would do is audit Pinterest very aggressively and understand what's happening there and understand infographics and things of that nature. But I, look, I think if, if you're at a place where you know to say DRock, link it up and you've been watching my stuff, it's the whole theme of this talk, right? I mean, if you think about a bride, if we're gonna, if we're gonna generalize that they're not you know, on their second marriage or maybe a woman that decided to get married later, they're young women for the most part. They only live here. Like they only live in the phone. They only live on those places. I would say Instagram is probably an incredibly, I, that I know for fact in this market, so Instagram is very, very important. I think that you should probably, starting now for an eight month from now launch, I would, mat, I would be searching hashtags engaged all those hashtags, and I would start building relationships right now with women that just got engaged, were engaged in the last six months, just got married, because if they could be ambassadors or things of that nature, I truly think the attention on Instagram from individuals is unbelievable, right? Uh, there's a lot of models in Australia, like that I would, even though they may not be engaged or married, I would look at them and try to figure out what your narrative is with them. I think that's a great arbitrage. Um, but it comes down to quality content. Like the fact that you're in the trenches and actually do this for a living already has me excited. If you scratch your own itch on content, you win, right? Like, like if you actually have a business that you're building content on top of, I'm very fruitful on that. That's just gonna take patience, time, effort. Um, and so that's, that's what I would say. I mean, yeah. I, it's nothing crazy that you haven't heard yet. I think what you need to do is understand you're not gonna get as much out of it as you think up front, yeah. and you just need to stick with it. Marie, you know, read Crush It in 2009. It took her three years to get into a place where it started becoming anything. Sure. Do, you have, do you have the patience and the tenacity to eat shit for 36 months is the game. Yeah, awesome. It's Thank the game. you for everything you do too, Gary. You're welcome. You're Thank, you. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, Gary. Ooh, you're good. Oh, hi, Gary. I'm Deanne. I'm so excited that you're here. I love <laughs> all the shit you do. And I'm one of the ones who's supposed to be retiring, but I'm not now because of what you're telling me. I love it. Um, so one of the questions I have, I know that you were, when you did a podcast recently with James Altucher and you talked yes. about um, the, true, the true north of truth or the north star of truth, rather. And you said that people are putting more and more content out, being more and more honest the way that you do it every day. And then I look at the kids who are coming up supposedly 80% who all they want to do is make money and be famous. And I'm thinking, well, how do those two things go together? Because all we're going to have is these kids who are oversharing to the point where it's almost pornographic and it's frightening me at 53 to go, well, shit, if I have to go up against that, I'm in real trouble. Um, how, do you, how do you put those two things together and where do you see it going is five you, years' time? Your... Do we have to do what you do? Well, no, I mean, look, everybody has to do what's, like, there's, no, I mean, if you're gonna map, hold on to the mic, because I have some questions for you. Oh, okay. 
Sorry. And I think you might have saw this in a daily V and you're gonna hear a lot of this out of my mouth for the rest of the year. I have no interest in anybody doing what I do. I have interest in communicating what I do and then everybody here is a big girl and boy. You can like look at that and be like, all right, here's what I can do that's this, uh, but I definitely don't want to do that and this and that. Are you asking me that because so many people that are cut, the younger generation, that they're putting out so much content that they're not going to consume content? Because I think that's a very popular point of yeah. view. Yeah, it's not only that they consume it, but they seem to overshare about everything that is out there. And, and a lot of it is just shit, I'm not interested. No, 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 a lot of it may be shit to you. The problem yeah. is you don't get to decide, yep. right? Okay. So like when the Kardashians become big in the US and everybody says that shit television, the problem is it's the number one television show on TV. Many people in here think that footy or football or American football is shit and that's a waste of four hours but it's my biggest escapism. I said this the other day, we are not allowed to judge other people's escapism. Some people think it's shit to stay in line for four hours and wait for Star Wars, other people live for it every three years. You know, some people think I think it's shit to read business books. <laughs> let, me, let me just say it one more time. <laughs> let, me, let me just say it one more time. I think it's a waste of time to read business books. So, you don't get to judge if like scandally cloud girls are sharing everything because you don't. The market is the market. Here's what I can tell you. There's a great thing about the market. The bad thing is people get sad when they hear that part. They don't understand though that the cream always rises to the top. There's a lot of people that have tried to do what the Kardashians have done. There's been a lot of sports. There's a lot of pretty girls and boys. Like eventually the market makes its decisions. You may not be happy with what the market picks, but it makes its decisions. Instead of being crippled by what everybody, I don't even know what anybody else does. Bless you. Like, did, like I don't have a fucking clue what Tim Ferriss or Tony Robbins or Oprah or Al Jazeera, I don't even know. Don't even know. And I would tell you as much as you can take that approach, you need to worry about what you do and what you want to accomplish and what you want people to get out of you and what you want, yeah. right? I have a friend who all he wants to do is make $100,000 a year so he can go to Jamaica and smoke weed, right? <laughs> and that's awesome, God bless. That, I mean, I'd kill myself if that was my ambition, right? Like, so, you know, everybody gets to do what they want but I, I think you're making a huge energy waste on trying to decide, like, do not judge the market. Reserve all that energy and time to focus on your thing. You will put out stuff, your community will come to you based on what you're putting out, and yeah. if nobody's coming, then you're not putting out good shit, darling. Yeah, okay, thanks, Gary. You got it. Um, Gary, I, uh, about, I don't know how long, maybe five years ago, this guy was my Gary V then. Um, he tried to talk me into it. And you know what? I did what you said. I became a good 68, which has been financially freaking awesome. That's right. Uh, I'm not a LeBron. I'm a really good 68 and I yep. rock because of his advice. But, um, so this was my Gary V before I sort of, I, I played around. I, I cheated on him, man, with the guy on the stage. We can do a threesome. <laughs> <laughs> Gary, it's GV. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Greg Vincent. Um, I just wanted to, I, I've been watching you on your wine library and... I saw your book launch at 2 o'clock the other morning and it's just, just amazing to see. Thank but, you. Um, I just want to ask. Yes. Because real estate agents were basically distrusted. And distrusted. Distrusted. In, across the profession. What are some of the things you'd recommend 
from a, a trust-based marketing approach. I have for, a really good a, idea on this. And this is something that I've deployed to some friends in the US in real estate that's really worked for them. And it's a little bit, and it's fun that you've watched Wine Library TV. It's a very controversial thing to wrap your head around. So what you probably remember is I panned the wines that I sold. It was my store, we sold these wines, I would sit in front of a camera and I would say, this wine sucks. It's off balanced, there's too much free, you know, this and that. As a matter of fact, I don't know if, how many of you know this, probably very few, maybe one or two. In 1998, 1999, I was one of the loudest voices in America about the whole Barossa Valley explosion in the US. I was a huge advocate, I was loved here. I came here a bunch, I came here four times in five years. Um, but then, the Barossa Valley wines got really too big, like way too fruity, way too al alcoholic, and I started going the other way. Didn't come here as often. Um, <laughs> you guys are, weren't super happy about that. And, uh, but it was super weird. And, and by the way, these were people that invited me into, the, like I would sit on camera. At one point the show got very big. Four, five, hundred thousand people watching a video where I'm tasting a bottle of wine and saying it's rubbish when this was somebody three years ago who let me sleep in their guest room. Like very tough shit. But I was always obsessed with being honest with the other person. I don't think it's a great way to get listings by making a video and telling everybody that even though the inspector will say so, I think you need to replace the roof. I don't think the person selling the home is gonna be pumped with you after they gave you the listing. However, that might be an extreme version, but if you can, instead of saying this is an up and coming neighborhood, if you're like, look, this neighborhood's seven years away from really popping. If you're cool with that, great. But too many of my friends, and I follow this space pretty carefully, are saying this is the next Brooklyn, and they know in their heart that it's 10 years away. So why the fuck are they saying it? Because they want the transaction instead of building the brand. My friends, I didn't want to sell you more wine on Wine Library TV. I wanted to become the world's wine guy. And that allowed me to leave that business day in and day out, and it still does its business while I went on to do other things. Had I looked for the transaction, I'd still be there. Do you understand? Do you get it? So, GV, the way you do it is by telling the fucking truth. And it's really hard when you represent her and now you're making a fucking video on your phone and saying, the fucking lawn's a piece of shit. <laughs> and so I, don't, I can't tell you what to do, but I can tell you the further you get away from the truth, the more likely you're not gonna win long term. It's basic as fuck, you know it's true, you don't wanna do it because it hurts your short term money. I get it, do you, but it doesn't change it. It doesn't change the fact that that's right. It doesn't change it. Do you understand? Just because you want it to be that way, it doesn't change it. Yeah. You got Thanks, it. Buddy. Yeah. Good uh, I, you need to be prepared, young lady. <laughs> Hi, Gary, how are you doing? I'm doing well, my friend. My name's Matt, thanks for Matt. Um, the other week you put up a bartering thing on your book for I can offer you something and I have to buy a certain amount of books to make it come true. I offered to be your driver whilst you're in Sydney and they kept saying no. Yes. So take another swing. I'm asking you now, what can I do for you? Buy books, sandy hand job, whatever's going. <laughs> <laughs> to drive you back to the airport tonight. 
Let me, hold on, let me see. I think they're saying no for a reason. Let me see if it's still there. The hand job sounds amazing. Yeah, so this is why my team's the best. The reason I don't, um, the reason I can't is that I'm leaving at 6.30 from my hotel and from 6.30 to 7.30, I'm dealing with a pretty important business issue that's a negative. It's like they know that if it's a negative, forget it. Like I'm trying to hold on to a client that's not happy. I'm just not in the right mindset to have that conversation. You know what I mean? So I apologize, but let me, let me, let me think. Don't, I'll talk to you before I leave. Cool. I appreciate it. In a quiet room somewhere? You know what's funny? <laughs> you know what's funny is that like, it's amazing to me how much I obsess over tenacity. Like, there's a real no that I should be giving you, and I'm fighting for you, because I just love, I, and by the way, it's really important to me. Like, I'm blown away. By the way, the quickest reason that I know that there's so many not real entrepreneurs in the marketplace right now, and I'm an investor a lot, and I'm watching people, is a real entrepreneur just never gives up. Like, like, you're kind of like, you know, you're kind of like dead, like, before you like give up. Like, like, I really appreciate the tenacity and I appreciate the tactic. Like, it's not creepy or rude or pulling up, it's just, uh, I mean it. Jab, 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 right hook. How many people read it or know the spiel, right? A lot of people are confused by jab, 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 right hook and that's why I started writing articles about it. A lot of people think it's, it's so for most of you that haven't read it, it's over there. Here's what it stands for. Give, 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 and then ask. You're not, not give, 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 and then you're entitled. Like, I've given away 200 episodes of Ask Gary V and Daily V and answered a million fucking emails and Snapchat this and this and that and like all sorts of shit. And then plenty of people are not buying the book. I just read 100 tweets on the way at the long fucking flight here. 100 tweets, you know, 100 tweets of like, oh, I, I, I probably got, like literally people that are like, nah, I watched every episode of Ask Gary V so I'm not gonna buy the book, I probably got all the information. Literally, literally, 20 minute shows times a buck 80 and I couldn't, get them to a place where they wanted to buy one $18 book. And I'm okay with that, because that's the market. Because the advice I gave you, darling, is the same advice I live every day. I didn't, they don't want to. It's just the way it is. So give, 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 and then ask. And it's just the ask, right? That's all you get. My man. Hi, I'm well. Hi, Gary. My Hi. name's Imran from Singapore. I flew in from Singapore to see you as well. Thank you. Um, I remember that in one of your breakout videos, you posted this uh, recently, the breakout video where you spoke at the conference in the, U in the US and you talked about um, growing a business with their users and then flipping it is not a business model. That's right. Right? Um, it's a business model. It's a business model for like 11 people. Yeah. Like building a big business that gets a million users on an app and then you raise more money and you're still not making money and you raise, it was a business model for Instagram. He made a billion dollars. The problem is there's four fucking Instagrams and there's 80,000 apps that were deployed to the app store today that have the model of I'm gonna get a million users, I'm gonna raise money, and then I'm gonna exit. And so in the context of that conversation, just so everybody's grounded, it is a business model. I'm just not super intrigued by the .000001% business model. I absolutely agree and I, I believe that so many people in Singapore and Asia need to see you. So my question is, how many people are we gonna to speak to in Asia? How, how many what? How many people in Singapore would you like to speak to? All of them. <laughs> how many would I like to? Like, you, yeah. want, you want me to go to Singapore with you? Yeah, tonight? <laughs> <laughs> You'll, 
drive us. We'll get hand jobs. No, we'll go no to Singapore. It'll be great. <laughs> but this uh, is an absolutely serious ask. So on a, so ser on a serious know. ask, yeah. we you're gonna love what I'm about to say. Um, we open VaynerMedia London next month. Yep. And I've already I've already got all the paperwork in place. We are we will be we are gonna open up VaynerMedia Singapore in the next 24 to 36 months. So you'll be seeing too much of me in Asia and in Singapore specifically. Thank you. Up the back, Gary. Up the back, up the back, up the back, up the back. Up the back, David Gary. So you gotta stand up, my beautiful. Hi Gary, thank you so much for coming in today. Um, so my question is, um, well today you spoke a lot about playing to your skill. Yes. And I'm just wondering, how did you find... And by the way, by skill? the way, not only skill, strength. Strength, yeah. Right? How did um, I find it? Yeah, how did you find it? Did it just click one day or did you always know it? So for me it did, but I've got different stories. I'm the wrong, I'm the wrong kind of like blueprint. I realized it in third grade. Right, like I basically gave up at school when I was like 10 years old, because I already knew, like, like this is why I'm trying to figure out self-awareness. Like why did I get so lucky that even at 10 and 11, I, do, I mean, do you know how tough it is to be ridiculed and be called stupid at 10 and 11 years old when you know you're special? Like it sucked. Like it was like, talking about eating shit. I ate shit for basically most of my childhood. My friends' li moms literally didn't want their, like my friends hanging out with me because I was an F student, but I was spending all my time honing my skill that I knew I had, and I was really working on it. I definitely feel better about giving this advice than I do finding self-awareness. I would take every inclination, every passion, every curiosity, and I would spend every minute, even at 90 or nine years old, trying all the things that come to mind and trying them, like literally, the th guys, if you have the audacity to wanna live a highly financial successful life, if you have the audacity, if you're sitting here, I mean it's a business conference, I don't think you're here for fucking kicks and giggles, I don't think you're here like to hear music, like if, like if you have the audacity to be financially successful, you need to understand a couple things. One, it's rare, like it's rare. There's not that many people that have it. Number two, you need to give up on leisure. Like, like if you want the good stuff, like you're not gonna be able to golf every day. Like you're not going sailing the whole fucking summer. Like I had my first kind of summer of my life last year, which meant we bought a house in the Hamptons, we got a house in the Hamptons and I went there for the weekends. Like, so you have a lot of time. If you're willing to, like if you want good stuff, if you want to be happy and rich, you have 15 hours a day, minimally 12, where you can do shit. You can work your job and pay your fucking bills for seven or eight, and then you have fucking six, seven other hours. Like I always say this in the US, like stop watching House of Cards. Like, like stop playing fucking Call of Duty. Like stop going to every fucking footy match. Like no more fucking happy hour. Like go and fucking sing and then paint and then fucking try to copyright and then fucking be a robot. I don't fucking know but go and, like that's a very easy answer. It's very easy to find your skill. Go try shit. <laughs> it's just that like, like I have an entrepreneur right now whose business is gonna go out of business in four months. He's burning cash, it runs out in four months, nobody's giving him money for his next round because funding is getting tough in the US. He fucking went skiing the last two weekends. 
I don't know what the fuck's the matter with people. <laughs> like, and then I have people that, com- my friends complain. Do you know how much I hate complaining? You will never hear me complain that I don't spend enough time with my family. I made my bed. I'm sleeping in it. Don't go to Australia for 11 hours if you want to see your family. Like, I'm, like, like my buddy's like complaining, guys made hundreds of millions of dollars, I'm having dinner with him the other day, he's like complaining the whole time about not seeing his family. I'm like, fuck you, go j- just spend time with your family. Like, I have no empathy for your bullshit. In the same way that I don't have empathy for my friends who are like, oh Gary, you're so lucky. I'm not fucking lucky, I fucking worked. I fucking worked my ass off, I'm lucky? You fucking get home at five o'clock and do dick. You're lucky. Like, I secretly took this conference, full and I loved your tenacity, but secretly took it because it's kind of a vacation to be in a plane for 19 hours. Like, like so to answer your question, it's actually stunningly practical and easy to find a skill that can work for you. It's having a process that allows you to cut out everything but trying things for three months, six months, two days, four weeks, like just try shit, you know? It's really just trying shit. Look, I'm a really good public speaker. I was 34 the first time I took the stage. I didn't know, you know? It just happened. So, that's what I would do. This on. <laughs> yes. uh, last one we're gonna have to do, you're gonna have to put the rest, hashtag Ask Gary V. We got one more, then we gotta do some, uh, some, some stuff at the back, yeah? Yes. Um, so uh, here's Paul, but guys, if you've got one unanswered, Hashtag Ask Gary V. There you go, man. You got your next hour of a longer content. Um, Paul. G'day, mate. Hello. Yo. I'm on. Um, you've mentioned some awesome stats in there. Obviously, you live and breathe this stuff, and you do your research. Um, I don't know where you do your research. So, like the 53% yes. of the population. Where do you do your research and keep your finger on the pulse of where technology and everything's going in the next few years? For me, I post game. Like I've been talking about the phone and all this, and then people oftentimes will email me like, did you see, and by the way, that 53%, it comes from Forrester, which is one of the leading kind of analytics places in the world, but like, I don't know what they did. Like, I don't know if they surveyed 100 people and then said these 53, like, the truth is, a lot of the stats, I don't even care about them. Like, I know what's true. Like, I know that I'm selling more stuff on Facebook ads that are mobile than desktop for Wine Library right now, they're my stats, right? So I don't really care about analytics uh, and stats as much as most people. I know they work for people. I know it's really powerful when you hear it. Like, again, I thought the most fun for me today was when I went through that little social media thing, right? Where I was like, social media, it's the slang term for the internet itself, the current state of the internet. Here's the phone, 53%. I started seeing faces going, fuck man, maybe I shouldn't, like shit, maybe this is real, right? So it's good for stuff like that, but very honestly, I think it's much more important to be a practitioner and live and breathe it. Like I use it as post game. There's no stat that ever made me do something. And I think that's, that's what I'd like everybody in this room to understand. Why are you not willing to use common sense? Why were you not willing three years ago when your buddy Hank, who's 68 and works in the steel mill, texts you an emoji, do you not realize shit's changing? You know, I would argue and I would implore you to understand, you're living your life one way, shit's happening, and then for some reason when you put on your 
work clothes, you think something different's happening. And I'll, let me save you time, because it's a good way to end. The reason you think something else is happening when you put your work clothes on is because you don't want to do the work to adjust to the reality of the new market. You just don't. It's the truth. And I get it. Do you know how exhausting it is for me to be right after right after right and know, no, 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 it's a funny joke. I mean it, like at this point, I've got a narrative of being right for a pretty long time and to sit here in front of you today and know that if I'm not right in 24 months, that it's over. Like I don't get to sit at the place where I sit. Like you're only as good as your last at bat. The market's constantly gonna change. And so the copywriters that were the best at magazine that didn't believe in the internet because they were making money doing copywriting in the back of a magazine, well they fucking lost. Do you understand? They lost. One great thing for all of you to read, and I don't know if anybody's written the book on it because I don't read those things, but you can Google this. Go educate yourself what happened when the radios lost, when the radio lost its number one spot to the television. It's the only thing you need to fully understand philosophically to understand what's about to happen over the next 10 years. If you understand that, you will be more mentally prepared for what you're about to deal with. And please, and I'll leave you with this because I know I'm leaving now. Everything that's happened in the last 10 years, mobile devices, Facebook, YouTube, all this shit, it's gonna seem boring and slow compared to what our next 10 years are gonna be. It is, it's exponential. Caleb's generation doesn't even know about anything else. In 10 years, Caleb's 24. He may rent an Airbnb and he's not gonna know anything. He's not gonna know what a banner ad is. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, he's not gonna know. They don't have email. Like, they're not gonna know any different. It happens fast. Don't disrespect it because it will run your ass over. And wait, and all of you, including me, is disrespecting it right now. And some of you in this room are really fucking lost and disrespecting it a lot. And here's your business strategy. (gasps) (laughs) You're hoping it doesn't happen. You're sitting and saying, maybe if it just does, maybe if it just takes 15 years, I'll be out and on the beach. The market will put you on the beach real fucking fast. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you.